Good morning, afternoon, nighttime, or no time. I'm your host, Sebastian Strange, and this is Somewhere Public Radio. Today's forecast is partly cloudy skies in the morning, with sunshine around midday. There is a chance of the screaming fog this evening, so be sure to seal up your windows and decorate your front door with a mural painted in your own blood. Tomorrow, bees. An announcement from the Somewhere School District parent-teacher amalgamation. The PTA is organizing a new combined fund drive to benefit the ongoing search for the space that doesn't exist where the elementary school used to be. You remember the old elementary school, don't you? The one down on 10th? People have been having a hard time remembering since it disappeared. Details slipping through the cracks like sand, spilling out of the hourglass and into the empty abyss of the void. Echoes of a dream you don't remember having. Was it your dream? Was it anyone's? Are we all just a dream, slowly fading into nothingness? Donations can be made at any school district building still located on this plane of existence. Now a message from one of our local businesses. Do you need a break from the chaos? Tired of fearing for your life and questioning reality? Come on down to Normal Brewing Company. Normal Brewing has a completely ordinary menu, 14 taps that do not rotate, spin, or exist in a quantum state, and absolutely no spectral visions of dead loved ones calling out to you from beyond the grave. That's right, absolutely no ghosts or apparitions of any kind. Normal brewing. It's completely normal. (laughs) We're receiving several calls this morning from people around town claiming to have spotted a bus roaming the streets of somewhere. Observers claim it was a fully articulated model with an old transit authority coat, and that it disappeared when looked upon directly, which buses are known to do. It's not clear if this noble behemoth escaped from the municipal auto barn, or if we have a rare wild specimen on our hands. But either way, this is quite the development. I don't know about you listeners, but I haven't seen a free-ranging bus since we tried to ride them all the way to school and back as kids. Rest in peace, Duffy. I'm afraid we're running short on time, listeners, as the ritual chanting in a long dead language is about to overtake our frequency. But fear not. We have our best reporter out in the field to learn more about this whole bus situation. Tune in for all the details this evening on Somewhere Tonight. Duncan? Yeah? Duncan? Yeah, hold on. I'm just... Are you still broadcasting? Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two of Monster Hour. Woo! How's it feel to be back, y'all? Woo! Great! Woo woo! Y'all ready for this? No. Everybody dance now. No. This is now a choral actual play. Yeah. Welcome to our choral actual play, Choir Hour. Oh, good Lord. Choir Season two, Choir Hour. 
No, no. That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> this is not what we agreed to. No, I, it's not. I have my contract right here. <laughs> There's no singing. Uh, well, we'll see about that. But no, we are not doing choir hour for season two. I am very excited to announce that for this season of Monster Hour, we are going to be playing Absurdia. Yeah. Absurdia is an absurd urban fantasy role-playing game about the inane hilarity and understated horror of everyday life. You play as people trapped in a suburban town marred by chaos and entropy, where the otherworldly is ordinary and the mundane terrifying. It is a game inspired by works of absurd humor, surreal horror, and literary nonsense like Welcome to Night Vale, Alice in Wonderland, Gravity Falls, and The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Absurdia is a Powered by the Apocalypse game, which means it uses the same sort of uh, playbooks, basic moves, 2d6 plus stat mechanics as Monster of the Week. So if you listen to our first season, which if you haven't, go back, listen to it. It's pretty good. <laughs> it should be pretty easy to follow along. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking... Hey, this game sounds really cool. How come I've never heard of it before? Hey, this well, game sounds really cool. How come I haven't heard about it before? Thank you. There we go. There it is. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, that is because it just came out this month and we were able to get our hands on a super secret advanced copy. Wow. Wow. Because wow. I wrote it. Wow. Inside scoop. Ha ha. Ho ho. Yes. That is true. Absurdia is written and designed by me, Quinn. I've been working on it for about a year and a half, just released the first version over on Itch, which if you're not familiar is an independent publishing platform. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes for folks who are interested. I know it's a little weird to be playing a game that one of us has written, but we kicked the tires on quite a few options before settling on Absurdia. Since I had sort of a vested interest, I left the decision up to the crew here. Do y'all want to talk a little bit about what interested you about this game? Is that what Itch stands for, is interesting, cool things to have? Uh, I think the words are a little... <laughs> oh. That's <laughs> it's the letters are Ick. twisted about. <laughs> yeah, oh shoot! Oh no, my joke! No, my joke. <laughs> yeah, I'll go first. We we tried a couple different game systems and we play tested things, and I don't know. We're all such big fans of all the source material that this system is based off of, and just the idea that this time things start already weird. And you don't have to worry about like, oh, we have to hide our secret stuff because we're weird. No, everything's weird. And you're kind of fighting against that a little bit. But the way that the system works with the replacement instead of luck, there's an essence for each playbook that is really cool that you can spend to modify your your moves in certain ways or your basic roles. You can like push yourself by using your essence, but you have to be careful because if you mark off all your all your essence, then you get fractures, which then adjust your character in very cool and interesting ways that I'm sure I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, probably. I think I think there's a good chance we got to it in a play test, especially given one of your playbooks. I think that's a pretty good chance. That's a pretty good chance. We got to it in a play test. Yeah, I can go next. I agree with all that Kyle has said, but I also particularly liked the playbook that I am playing now, and we use that one for the play test. And I liked it so much that Quinn made it so I couldn't do everything that I wanted to do. And so I have continued <laughs> to pick that playbook to spite him. You're going to rue the day you created this player handbook, Quinn. Mark my words. 
I should note the game has gone through a, a good amount of playtesting. Hannah picked one of the less playtested versions, and I was able to incorporate some some minor tweaks, and some uh, balance, and some of the things she did changes. with the playtest. <laughs> Maybe uh, we'll in a future Patreon or something we'll we'll pull back the curtain a little bit and talk about some of that. Yeah, game design. Yeah, game design. Tia, my character sings every line. Choir hour forever. Choir hour. No, 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 no. You're, no, you're, no, 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 no. Be very okay. careful. We'll make you commit to stuff. <laughs> yeah no i'm not doing that hey i mean look some people have made bold choices in actual plays and it's worked out that's not what i'm gonna do okay (laughs) so we had originally talked about other games that we were playing but it seems like we've all gone into explaining our characters a little bit so i i could do that as well i mean we'll do that more in a minute i'm more more interested in like what drew you to the game. Oh, okay. So people don't think I just forced you all to play this game. <laughs> no, no, no. Folks, we kind of foisted it upon Quinn. He was like, we could do this. We could do another one. It's fine. And we're all like, nah, we want to try yours. And then we, we did it. and we really liked it. And we, not that we overruled him, but we essentially uh, put his concerns about playing his game and uh, some perceived favoritism aside and uh, just did exactly what we wanted, which was to play Absurdia. Um, we told him he was being a big old silly Like every villain. other decision on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we just oh, run right over Quinn and just do what we want. <laughs> it is a common theme. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I, I, I would say that for me, what drew me was this very Welcome to Night Vale-esque approach but with our energy and vibe, which I think is a bit, um, look, if Welcome to Night Vale is Cognac, we are the Jefferson's uh, whiskey that has been barrel aged at sea and has a very nice sweet flavor. And everyone loves it for that. Are you talking about rum? I'm talking, I'm comparing whiskey and rum. I'm, do, I'm doing a couple of things here. There's no, there's a Jefferson whiskey. It's a rye whiskey that they put in a barrel, in a wine barrel to age it. Oh, is this a real thing? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you were just talking about rum, but called it whiskey. She may or may no, not be looking at it at this thing. exact moment. I am looking at it right now. Kyle knows I have okay. a bottle of it okay. here. Uh, it's, no, it's, it's, it, they put the whiskey in the wine barrels. They put the barrels on a boat. And they tour it around the world so that the, it gets like this like caramelized sea brininess. Aged it's very sea. good. It's aged at sea. Yes. That is us. <laughs> we're and aged I, at sea. And this, we're the whiskey that's <laughs> aged at sea. Damn it. And I think that Absurdia lets us be our best semen selves. <laughs> <laughs> the end. No explanation mm. needed. Nothing more needs to be said. It is a almost perfect game system for someone with Tio's creativity. That's exactly. true. <laughs> I get to be the semen at sea. I don't know why I'm just repeating myself now. <laughs> the, what? the game definitely uh, embraces the weird, embraces chaos, and embraces creativity. So in that sense, it absolutely is the game for Tio. And there's a move called Embrace <laughs> Chaos. Sure yeah, it's right here. My character is very bad at it. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Um, we're not going to do like a big sort of overview of the moves and the mechanics because that's kind of boring and it's more fun to just go through as we play. But let's go ahead and have you all introduce the characters that you're going to be playing so that uh, folks know just a little bit about you. So go ahead and give us your character's name and pronouns, playbook, 
look and demeanor, the uh, intro background questions, and your agendas. Mm. Would anyone like to go first? Okay, hold on. We need to know... I'm literally just spilling some stuff out right now. <laughs> uh, that a, the getting started column on that. Yeah, it's basically everything in the getting started column. Okay. Which you were supposed to have done by now. <laughs> I have most of it done. Uh, okay. Oh, I sent- Someone else I go sent, first. <laughs> I sent some of this stuff to you. I just didn't yeah, write yeah, it you down. You did. Okay. All right. Okay. I actually, okay. Uh, All right. Listeners, season two is going <laughs> to go- a great start. Perfectly. Like, it's going to be real smooth. I think Tia should great. go first, since she decided she wanted to talk about it. She <laughs> was the a sailor. Thing. Yep. <laughs> oh, I got it. No, I'm listeners, good. Listeners, have we- have we talked on air, listeners, about Tio's strong, strong preference to go last in every situation? <laughs> Which was, if we haven't mentioned it, now is maybe a good time. It's a little different from when we did that Q, uh, the Q&A after the first season where she was the mayonnaise. That's yeah. true. Mm-hmm. The mayonnaise. I yeah. was the, she I wants look, to be I the bottom bread. bread. I was the bottom bread. I love being the bottom bread. <laughs> you want to be the heel. The heel. <laughs> the truth is revealed. Look, when you go out to sea... The heel, it, it really soaks up all that sea brine. Yeah, it soaks up that. Mm, the sea okay, whiskey. Okay, I can go. <laughs> uh, also, listeners, uh, again, pulling back the curtain, I'm on the East Coast. I'm three hours ahead of the rest of the team right now. It is 10.17. I hilariously told everyone I'd love to keep this one tight so that I'm not up yeah. super late. Yeah. That was at 9.30. Yeah. And it's my own fault. I've, 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 I've got, I've got, uh, you got lost okay, at sea. getting started. Yeah, I got lost at sea. Thank you. Everything is about the sea. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so my name is Claire Claremont. I am playing the Forgotten Vessel, which, Quinn, I don't know if you are planning to do like a walkthrough of what these playbooks no, are. You. Oh, it's all me. Ooh, exciting. Okay. Treat this like it was a game that I didn't write. <laughs> okay. Quinn doesn't know enough. how this game um, works. We're going to teach him. <laughs> yeah, how do you play? Oh, my gosh. Well, I now, I now I feel like I need to do it justice in a very important way. And because we have the god of this universe here, I am going to have you give what you consider to be the general description of the Forgotten Vessel. And then I'm going to tell the listeners how I have interpreted that. <laughs> Um, okay, let me pull up my, <laughs> let me pull up the big, the big playbook, which I didn't have open. I just had my reference sheet open. Quinn has to open his PDF. Y'all have the reference Hannah, sheets, Quinn right? has to open his PDF. We do. Ah! Oh no, I have to open my PDF. I'm Hannah now. We've all changed roles. Um, so the Forgotten Vessel is the discarded puppet of an entropic horror. The Forgotten Vessel hits hard and excels at bending chaos to their will, though trust with the town's factions will be hard-earned. Touchstones include Bill Cipher and his various vessels from Gravity Falls, John Peters, you know the farmer, and the Glow Cloud, <laughs> all hail, from Welcome to Night Vale, Isabel Loveless from Wolf 359, and Debbie from King Falls. Yes. So, as Quinn said, uh, I am playing the Forgotten Vessel. My character's name is Claire Claremont. She uh, is often seen with her vacant eyes and her violent smile and her very sallow skin, walking around town, passive-aggressively judging everyone, uh, and giving out what you might call compliments in a very mean girl way. 
She has an emotionless and icy demeanor, as you would expect, with like a veneer of fake friendliness. I essentially thought of what would it be like if you had someone more or less come back from the dead Mm -hmm. and be Gwyneth Paltrow, but like from the 1800s, and run Goop, but like with the knowledge of a well-to-do woman from the 1800s. That is my guiding light. Tremendous. Reincarnated debutante Goop. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly right. Debutante Goop. That is 100% Claire Claremont. She came from a well-to-do family. She went off one day and more or less was never the same. Uh, She was taken over by the horror (laughs) that claimed her body as a vessel. Rudy, the gaseous being that travels universes through asbestos and lead. He uh, recently ascended to a GS-14. Yes, they have the GS scale in his universe. Um, The only overlap with our universe, by the way. Tio, for those who don't know, what is the GS scale? Oh, yes, sorry. Uh, The GS scale is the scale that the United States government uses in order to rank different jobs that you could do for the federal government. It it both gives like the kind of expertise level that you're at, but also the pay range. It's part of the way that the federal government tries to be a little more transparent with like what different jobs entail and the amount of money you make. And a GS-14 is pretty good. Do the numbers go up the higher you go or they count down? Okay, okay. Yes. Like a GS-8 would be like an internship. Gotcha. And like a GS-9 is like a fancy internship. What's a GS-0 then? (laughs) I don't know what a GS-0 is. Is it just like some person you meet on the street who's not employed by the federal government? Quinn, we're we're all (laughs) GS-0. Am I GS-0? I'm (laughs) GS-0. What's GS-3 then? I will say this, a GS-8, pulling back the curtain, folks, this is one of those episodes, I was a GS-8 and then became a GS-9 when I did a paid internship in college. Mm. Make with that I have a lot will. of questions about zero to eight, but we're going to move past <laughs> Maybe it. Maybe it depends anyway. on where, like the department you're, like if you do an internship at the DMV down the street, maybe that's, <laughs> that's a that's, GS-3. Maybe that's GS-3. <laughs> I think that should be a GS-12 because you're working at the DMV. There should be some sort of pain and suffering involved. Give those people security clearance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're so so far. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Rudy the gaseous entity. Yes, and by making me his vassal, that is how he he ascended to a GS-14, so he can thank me for that. Uh, What I remember from my time as his vassal is I was begrudgingly helping my sister carry something from the attic. And then all of a sudden, I was dumping townspeople into the well and raising trees in the nearby forest, like 20 feet into the air, and then repositioning them in a perfect hexagon. Mm. That seemed like it was a really good time while I was doing it. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I still don't know why I did it, what the purpose was. And I also remember smelling porridge and seeing a lot of yellow. And that's really it for the 100 plus years that I was a vassal. But eventually, Rudy moved on. Look, we all stay in our jobs for only a certain amount of time. It's always time to, to grow. Um, Is and Rudy I part of the Great a- Resignation? Yes. <laughs> you know, he really like thought about what he's been working towards and decided it wasn't for him. And you know what? I'm proud of him for that. But I essentially, I I awoke in my perfect hexagon of trees that is still there 100 plus years later. I walked into town only to discover that like, like 100 plus years have passed. And- I kind of just went, huh, 
okay, I understand what the internet is. I can still sell the same clothes I did before, except now they're vintage. And I can run this lifestyle blog. That is what my life was when that was cutting edge. But nowadays is considered a very particular choice to like be into leeches and things. So it works out really well for me, to be honest. (laughs) I've had to make no self-improvement. I just had to learn how to use a computer. You know, that's really it. Occasionally on windy nights, I still get flashbacks to my time as a vassal, but it's always like little bits and pieces, like some yellow or some clawing at people, you know, the standard stuff. Uh, And that's, Mm -hmm. that's really it. Like I, I can't say that I'm all that upset about it. It kind of just happened. And here I am now. So yeah, Yeah. that's Claire Claremont. Perfect. Fabulous. What are your agendas? Ah. Listeners, I said we weren't going to explain the rules, but just a brief peek here so you understand what we're talking about. In Absurdia, you uh, gain experience by fulfilling agendas, which are sort of like goals that you have as a character. So mm-hmm. they're, they're relatively broad, uh, and each playbook picks two of them. Uh, you don't gain experience when you fail a role, and this is generally sort of the, the way that you level up as a character. So, Claire Claremont, what are your agendas? The first one is Dark Knight, which is you didn't ask for this, but you're going to make the best of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark experience when you protect someone, even as you terrify them, which I do. I do terrify people in town quite often. The other one is Apotheosis. You had a taste and you want more. Mark Mm -hmm. experience when you improve your reputation with entropy or when you gain a fracture. The last thing I'll note here is now that I've flipped my sheet over, I do have a note scratched here that says, if Gwyneth Paltrow were an obnoxious demi-ghost, and I think that's accurate. And it's in blood, <laughs> Quinn? Um, oh, oh, that's alarming. Hmm. There shouldn't be blood on your character sheet yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fabulous. Love uh, it. That is Claire Claremont. Who would like to go next? I could go next. Uh, So Mm. I am playing Max, and the playbook that I am playing is The Paradox. Quinn, would you like to introduce The Paradox? Sure. I mean, I don't, I don't have to, but I'll, I'll, I can do it if you don't want to. Um, The Paradox is a mockery of time's linearity and continuity. Uh, The Paradox wields the past and the future as their weapons, skipping across time to avoid danger and engage their opponents. Touchstones include The Traveler from Welcome to Night Vale, Billy Pilgrim from Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse-Five, and the Time Anomaly Removal Crew from Gravity Falls. (laughs) Nice. Uh, So Max is uh, uh, she, her pronouns. My appearance is that of somebody who is mismatched and absolutely anachronistic. So one day it's going to be like a mod 60s hairstyle, and the next day it's going to be, you know, a Gibson girl hairdo with all the hair piled up on top, and the, the clothing <laughs> and accessories are going to be the same. It's just a hodgepodge. The demeanor <laughs> is- We've discovered uh, why Hannah wants this playbook. <laughs> yes. Yes, I can dress up however I want. Uh, My demeanor um, as somebody who has seen and been through it all, maybe not it all, but certainly more than the normal person or even entity, is uh, mercurial, reckless, and very, fuck it, I'll do it myself. That does mean not a lot of social niceties and not, not a lot of smooth talking. This is not something that Max is good at. Max is much more, it not brute force. But just, I'll get it done however it needs to get done. Max is not sure how she got unstuck from time and how she ended up where she's at. That is kind of the question. And it's it's a bit like 
Max was traveling in time and basically fell out of where she was traveling to or from or the entire process of time travel and is now stuck. Her entire purpose is to figure out how to get un unstuck to get get her, her time travel powers back and get the hell out of here. It also means that at least in this environment, her powers do not work as well as they normally would, and they work in very different ways than they normally should, but she does have them. Her favorite time to be in exist is the Belle Epoch, and my agendas are loner. It's a lonely existence standing apart from time. I mark experience when I complete a dangerous task by yourself, by myself, or when I lose a reputation with a faction. And then searcher is I've lost something when I became unstuck. Mark experience when I come closer to finding it or when I put... Are you done? Are you done? Time cats. <laughs> oh, time cats. Time cats. I got to find my time cat. Uh, no, the time cat came with me. That is... <laughs> the time cat won't leave you. <laughs> the time cat we'll is the reason leave. I got unstuck from time. A there cat just came flying at me. And now... <laughs> Knocked you out of the wormhole. Yeah. The cat's, like, stuck with me. We're, we both have to travel in the same. Like, I can't go, like, five feet away from the cat. Anyway, uh, I mark experience whenever I come closer to finding out how to get back into the the slipstream of time or when I put myself at great risk to do so. If I find what I'm seeking, I get to cross out my agenda and pick a new one. Fabulous. Mm. Thank you, Max. Kyle, do you want to introduce your character? Yeah. So my character's name is a little bit of a Easter egg for anybody who listened to old uh, turntable roulette, We Die Here episode. I am playing... Duncan Oliver, the Vox. <laughs> the Vox, I'll go ahead. I'll give you a break. Quinn. Oh, no, Quinn, go ahead. Read me. <laughs> Quinn, read me. Quinn, I read mean, me. It's tradition read now. Read me. Tradition. Uh, the Vox is a community radio host determined to make sense of the bizarre happenings in this town. They are adept at investigating, gathering information, and drawing strength from the ordinary elements of the community. Touchstones include Cecil Gershwin Palmer from Welcome to Night Vale, Sammy Stevens from King Falls, and Douglas Eiffel from Wolf 359. Yeah, that's me. Duncan Oliver, pronouns he, him. Hello. Duncan wears rather plain clothes, though he has a lot of enamel pins and patches on his kind of worn brown jacket. He wears the wrong prescription glasses and has uh, generally honest eyes and a rather non-threatening demeanor about him. Other parts of his demeanor, he's uh, uh, investigative, friendly, a little flirty, kind of mm. things you have to be to be on the radio and gather a good following who wants to tune in and listen to your ordinary ramblings in a town otherwise full of strange dealings. Questions on the playbook. He works at the radio station WSOM, Radio Somewhere, and hosts the regular nightly program Somewhere Tonight. Why do people find Duncan so charming? Uh, he has generally honest eyes and a non-threatening demeanor. And what drives Duncan's obsession with the truth? Generally, what I will reveal is it is a drive to keep the community intact. Uh, the agenda for Duncan Oliver the Vox, the two that I have selected are Beacon, which is you may not be a fighter, but you are a symbol of hope. Mark experience when you put yourself in harm's way to take a stand against chaos and entropy. And the second one is Inquisitor. You will get to the bottom of things, no matter the cost. 
Mark experience when you act callously or maliciously to get to the truth. Fabulous. Are you the baddie? Am I the baddie? No. Tell me about the time cats. (laughs) They're not exactly cats. Oh, okay. And they don't exactly exist in like a normal sense, Mm -hmm, but they do mm -hmm. meow Mm -hmm. a lot. Yes, Mm -hmm. very loud. Time cats. Scribbles furiously. (laughs) (laughs) I think I promised someone in the Discord that cats would play a prominent role in season two. So, hey, uh, whoever I promised, time cats. Here we go. They're real. And they're real. Stay tuned for arc three. Yep. Hey folks, Quinn here. Thanks so much for tuning in to the very first episode of Season 2 of Monster Hour. We are incredibly excited to bring you an all-new story with new characters and a new system. Reminder, if you're interested in learning more about Absurdia, you can find the game at quinm.itch.io slash Absurdia, or by following the link in the show notes. As we kick off our second season here, we would love your help in spreading the word about the show. Word of mouth is the most powerful form of advertising for a podcast like us, and there are three things that you can do right now to help us worm our way into more folks' ears. First, leave us a rating and review. These stars that you submit help power the station, and your words boost the signal of WSOM across the globe. Second, give us a shout on social media. Use the hashtag MonsterHourPod and someone in town might suddenly wake up with your name having replaced their own. Third, Recommend the show to a friend, rival, neighbor, coworker, or faceless stranger you meet while walking a street you don't recognize, suddenly unaware of where you are or how you got there, plagued by a gnawing feeling that you don't belong but unsure of how to get back to the familiar and comfortable. Scream Monster Hour over and over until you wake up and realize it was just a dream. You can also support us by becoming a member of Radio Somewhere's Eternal Pledge Drive, aka our Patreon. Patrons get access to my GM notes, outtakes, special episodes, bonus releases, merch, and more. A special shout-out to all of our patrons who joined us during our break between seasons. Chris W., Bryn, another Chris W., Susanna Lewis, Emily Park, CMAC, Gil, William M., Zach M., and Molly. Our community spotlight this week is the Storyteller Squad, a Monster of the Week podcast weaving tales of magic, mystery, and monsters. Hello, adventurers. Do you enjoy stories about monsters and magic? Welcome to Autumn Falls, a cozy small town in the Pacific Northwest. There's mysteries to uncover, but first, let's check in with our heroes. Fighting monsters isn't the safest thing. I'm Hugo Rashad. Can I get verbal confirmation that none of you will say anything about what you saw today? Agent Lonnie Whitaker, reporting in from the Eastie Agency. It's really weird and bizarre and a whole lot of feeling stuff that I did not want to get into, so I kind of booked it out of there. I'm Raven Eugenia. I just wanted to be friends because that's what everyone else was doing. My name is Damien Edgecrest. Clearly talking to the tree is not a normal thing that people can do. I'm Felicity Starnbrook. If you'd like to join our heroes as we play Monster of the Week, then check out The Storyteller Squad. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's have an adventure. You can find us, the Storyteller Squad, and plenty of other awesome podcasts over on the Cast Junkie Discord server. As always, there is a link in the show notes that will take you straight there.
That's all we've got for you this week, dear listeners. Tune in June 28th for the next broadcast of WSOM, Radio Somewhere. We are going to kick things off with Duncan Oliver Mm -hmm. at the Somewhere Public Radio Station. Mm -hmm. Before we jump in, Duncan, tell me a little bit about what the station looks like. What's the vibe? Yeah, the station, it's fairly nondescript on the outside. It's difficult to keep a unique presence really in this town as you continually have to take down decorations to paint murals in blood on the doors um, anytime the fog comes through. But as soon as you get on the inside, it is just a mess of activity and finely run wires in the front window is the broadcast seat. Whoever is broadcasting at that at the given time has a view out the window to the street and is generally surrounded on one side by a series of knobs and dials and switches and blinking lights, and on the other side with stacks of old records and cassette tapes. Further in through the station from the broadcast booth runs a series of wires along the floor, walls, and ceiling to the radio room where there are a number of increasingly obtuse and inscrutable devices that have been maintained by hand over the years. There's a couple manual cranks and dials. There's an arrangement of crystals on one table, and some of these things have to be actively maintained to produce a clear signal to the town. One further step back into the station is actually where Duncan sort of lives. We call it a cozy home away from home. Love it. Though there, he hasn't been back to what that home is in a long time. He's kind of made a little nest among the electronics and records here at the station. There's a small like folding writer's desk, I think, that he's got a number of notes and some ledger books that he's been keeping track of certain things. Fabulous. Uh, A cozy home away from home is one of your sort of residential options as the Vox, correct? Yes, it is. I say correct as though I didn't write it. <laughs> you're, you're testing uh, <laughs> me. You're testing me. <laughs> uh, fabulous. So you're cozied up in your, your home away from home in WSOM, somewhere public radio station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you remove radio, the- Radio somewhere. Oh, I've been calling it somewhere public radio. Oh, that's fair too. I, do, I think my tagline on, the, on air would be WSOM radio somewhere. I like the notion that you and Sebastian call it different things. I like that too. That's probably good. (laughs) Like you can't agree. And I think you're the only two people who work here. Yeah. And I love that actually. (laughs) (laughs) The door is simply stenciled in it. Just WSOM. Yeah. The call sign you can like that's set in stone. Yeah. Like literally there's a stone in the center of the station. Yeah. No one knows where it came from. You actually built around it. Yeah. It just says WSOM. Some say the FCC put it there. Some say. Some say, what is the FCC? Who can say for sure? (laughs) Uh, You slide your headphones off just as the rhythmic ritualistic chanting sort of overtakes the frequency on which WSOM broadcasts. Uh, This is a daily occurrence. You know, actually, the majority of the day, this frequency is just subject to this kind of strange chanting in a language that uh, no one really understands. Mm -hmm. You presume it's long dead, although who can really say for sure? Does feel pretty alive. Yeah, 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 it kind of does. And from the broadcasting booth, Sebastian Strange steps out and starts striding towards your, your little nook. Sebastian is short and lean, 
sort of compact in the way that a coiled cat is. He has an <laughs> angular face with curious, uh, some would say overly inquisitive dark brown eyes. Uh, he's wearing a white v-neck with a peppy pastel cardigan over it, and his long black hair is pulled up into a loose bun. Mm-hmm. And he he makes his way hurriedly towards you. Duncan. Yeah, good. I, I was just about to get the blood out of the fridge. What's up? Yes, we should definitely take care of that. Duncan, did you hear about the bus? I did, yes. Uh, you just talked about it at length on the air. You haven't heard of a bus in... Well, uh, haven't heard of a bus, actually. I know. It has been some time. I was just a child the last time there was a bus on the loose. I mean, you can go to the municipal auto barn and see them there, but nothing like a bus in the wild. Such noble creatures. Duncan, mm. this story deserves to be covered. I, I agree. We should get our best reporters on it. And Duncan kind of looks around. Sebastian looks around. Oh. Hmm. Right, well, we better suit up then, huh? I dare say so. Duncan, this could really put somewhere public radio on the map. This is true. People want to know about what's happening. And this bus is happening. Indeed it is. I want you to cover this story, Duncan. Find out where this bus came from. Find out what it's doing in town. And what its fares are. Oh, the fares. Yes, Duncan. Please. If you can get an interview, even better. <laughs> this is the news that the people want, Duncan. This is the news that people crave. Duncan's already rummaging around in the stuff and pulls out his trusty tape recorder and clicks it on. This is Duncan Oliver reporting for WSOM Radio Somewhere. I am hot on the trail of the roaming Somewhere bus. Somewhere public radio. Public radio somewhere. <clears throat> somewhere public radio. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> the coughing continues. <laughs> uh, he switches off. So, uh, will you be able to handle the the mural outside? Oh yes, yes, I can. I can certainly take care of that. that. Fog is no joke. Duncan, don't worry. I will take care of the fog. I'll make sure everything is sealed up tight here. Right. Well, I suppose. Uh, but what do we know where it was last spotted? Uh, let's. Hey, let's use some mechanics. Let's let's, let's bring in ooh, some of the game mechanics here. I roll some dice. Let's roll some dice. I will yeah. roll some dice. We're actually going to start with a faction move. So Ooh. in Absurdia, there are basic moves. There are also faction moves. Yes. Similar to if anyone is familiar with Urban Shadows or Root, uh, there are four factions in the game of Absurdia in this uh, strange, strange town that we find ourselves in. Bureaucracy, Community, Underbelly, and Entropy. Mm-hmm. Duncan, why don't you give me a gather information roll? Okay. When you hit the streets looking for information, name a contact and roll with their faction. In this case, your contact you've already found, uh, your contact is Sebastian. Mm -hmm. And go ahead and roll with Sebastian's faction, which is community. Great. What is your community rating? My community rating is plus one because everybody loves Duncan. <laughs> Especially the community. No, Duggett's got connections with the community. He's a familiar voice on the air, on the airwaves. Yeah, so go ahead and give me 2d6 plus your community rating. Perfect. Or your reputation, to use the parlance of the game. Yes. And this is, I'm not rolling, I'm not getting information directly from Sebastian, or am I getting directly from Sebastian? Uh, in this case, you probably are. Sometimes gather information okay. is a bit more abstract, but uh, you know, given you're you're sort of right here talking to him, I think in this case uh, you're getting information from Sebastian. 
Gotcha. Okay. Ooh, a move. Gather information with community. This is plus one to the roll, which makes it a <clears throat> five. Oh. This is a good start to our season two, everybody. <laughs> and it's extra Quinn. Hey, Quinn, you're in charge of the game, right? You've like made the game. Yes. Your game god. It's very, I would like to lodge a complaint that I don't get experience right now. <laughs> yes. I'm terribly sorry. Yes, I also <laughs> I'd like to file that. a formal complaint <laughs> with the game gods. Uh, it's just a five. Unfortunate. Yes. Uh, on a miss, you glean the wrong information or accidentally reveal a secret of your own. <laughs> I don't think there's any reason that Sebastian wouldn't necessarily tell you what he knows. Uh-huh. So what sort of information do you think you reveal to Sebastian in this setup period? Ooh. I think maybe it's revealed that I am actually pretty terrible at directions in somewhere. <laughs> like he says, the bus was spotted by the library. I'm like, oh, yeah, over by the dog park. And he's like, no, <laughs> it's the other side of town. OK, we'll keep the stakes. We'll keep the stakes low here. Sebastian looks at you, you know, somewhat pityingly, I think. Oh, Duncan, 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 uh, Duncan. I've got my flashcards. Duncan, there are reports of the bus all over town. I suggest that you go to check out the search party that is being formed at Normal Brewing Company. Normal Brewing. It's where you, don't you get have a regular to do, beer. No, you don't have to do the tagline every time, you know? Oh, right. Yes, yeah, sorry. You're not of on course. the radio. They just <clears> happen <throat> yes. to sponsor your segment. It's a reflex. I'm sometimes. sorry. Sometimes. Terribly Sorry. Go and talk to Jeremy. Uh, Go and talk to Jeremy, the owner. I don't, I don't want, no, I don't want to. He's organizing the search party. Uh, are you sure? Uh, yes. Jeremy's the only, he's the only one. Who's, oh, okay. I mean, you can talk to other people too if you would like, Duncan, but. I might start with that. Can I work my way up, Jeremy? Well, head on over to Normal Brewing Company. Get yourself a beer while you look for the bus. No, Sebastian, you don't. Sebastian, you don't. Normal have, you brewing. You don't have to do that. No, you it's don't. It's completely okay, normal. I'll, you make sure you do the mural, Sebastian. <laughs> I'll see you later. I was trying to think of another normal brewing tagline. <laughs> Sebastian's holding like a, a paint can, like a loose paint can full of blood of an unspecified yeah. variety. A couple hamsters worth, I believe. Oh, is yeah, it, blood hamsters. A couple hamsters worth. From the municipal blood hamster farm. I think is the proper. And uh, <laughs> season one callbacks. Hey. Uh, and he's, uh, he's, he's starting to get to work on the door, you know, painting the mural to make sure everything's battened down for, you know, the screaming fog tonight. Yeah, I go to Norrell Brewing Company. Yeah, you walk down the street. Uh, tell me, tell me something about the the main street of somewhere here. What's one thing? Well, one thing about the main street is the trees in the middle of the boulevard change, and they hold secrets. So, are we talking like one day they are pine trees, and the next day they're maple trees? Mm -hmm. What are they today? They are unfortunately willow trees, which makes it very difficult to kind of see and navigate the street. Usually Duncan really likes kind of taking a walk down the down the street because you can kind of listen to the whispers of the tree's captured secrets. But today he's got a job to do and he has to kind of fight his way through the hanging willow branches of, of today's Main Street trees. Yeah, they're spilling out all into the street. It's a little bit of a mess. Yeah. You head down Main Street and not too far in the distance, you can see Normal Brewing Company. 
It is a completely unassuming average storefront with a very normal sign printed in Times New Roman that says Normal Brewing Company. Outside, there is a crowd gathered, probably about two dozen folks, and you can see your rival. Mm -hmm. Every playbook starts with a friend and a rival, two contacts that you begin with. And you can see your rival, Jeremy Dunlap. Tell me a little bit about Jeremy. Oh, well, Jeremy is a concerned citizen and owner of Normal Brewing Company. He is a neighbor of the radio station and seems to think that our broadcasts make his brews more acidic. I mean, that's just science. I don't science. think that's a possible thing, but also our broadcasts are important and he can put up the lead sheets like we recommended. But he thinks that they <laughs> also science. are garish and look bad. So he has refused to do so and we are at a standstill. He's got sort of like a, a wood interior vibe, not like the post-industrial vibe, mm-hmm. uh, and he just he refuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there is a there is a crowd gathered outside of Normal Brewing Company, a wide range of somewhere community members. Uh, I think you recognize quite a few faces, maybe some folks you've had in on the station for an interview, mm-hmm. or at least callers who you've met offline for a meetup. Pledge drive. Pledge drive. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Sorry. We'll get to the Sorry. pledge drive in the. Oh no, we'll get to the pledge drive in the uh, in the mid roll, folks. Uh, pay attention. Uh, I know. I know. Drive. I was about to say. I'm sorry, Tia. This is a very triggering. Entire <laughs> 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 deal. The somewhere public radio pledge drive, aka our Patreon. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you see, uh, there's folks who are kitted out with uh, a wide variety of uh, materials like flashlights, there's torches, there's rope, there's ham radios, a, a very sort of wide melange of gear here. And they're all talking amongst themselves. What do you do? As I'm walking up, pop on the tape recorder again. I'm approaching now a gathering of concerned citizens outside the normal brewing company. Listeners may remember Normal Brewing Company is next to the radio station and has refused to put up proper protective equipment to prevent their brews from... This isn't what I'm talking about. These concerned citizens are here outside (laughs) of the brewing company, gathered to learn more about this mysterious appearance of a rogue bus. Let's listen in. And I think the first thing Dunga does is he just tries to kind of mingle with the crowd, trying to not be noticed by Jeremy until he is ready for it. Are you trying to, like, sneak up on Jeremy? Not trying to sneak up on him and jump him. I'm just trying to not have to talk to him until I know what's going on here. <laughs> Why don't you give me a role to assess reality? When you carefully study a situation looking for more information, roll plus wits. Wits being one of the four core ratings for your character. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and give me a roll plus wits. Assess away. I'm discovering Duncan's favorite number, which is five. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. On a miss, you might reveal critical information, or the GM will let you ask two questions, but give you some information that is inaccurate. I love the second option. So go ahead and pick two questions from the list, and I will give you some or all information that is inaccurate. Those questions are, what happened here? What's my best route? Are there any dangers I haven't noticed? What here is useful or valuable to me? What here is not what it appears to be? Or who or what is really in control here? What here is useful or valuable to me? And the second one is what here is not as it appears. Duncan, I think you see two things. 
First, there is a woman on the edge of the crowd, and she sort of seems to be observing things, just kind of scanning. You just get a vibe that she's not quite sort of like part of the community. Mm. And I think you see in her hand, there's a crumpled piece of paper, and it looks, you know, you have not seen in person a bus ticket before, but it looks like a transit fare stub. Hmm. As you notice this, out of the corner of your eye, you catch just the briefest flicker of a hulking shape in the street. It's moving quickly, just the moment that it appears, and it sweeps aside the branches of the willow tree as it moves, just for this this brief flash. And you swear, out of the corner of your eye, you see the mammoth frame of an overlarge vehicle before it disappears. Oh. But the woman is still there? Yes. Okay, I'm pre- my curiosity is peaked. I'd like to approach her. You head over to this woman. She's a well-dressed woman in her sort of mid-30s. She's got a shoulder-length haircut, wearing a, wearing a jumpsuit, and looks at you. Duncan Oliver, I'm a reporter for WSOM Radio Somewhere, and I fumble around with all my enamel pins trying to find the one that says WSOM that Sebastian and I made ourselves. <laughs> Point to that Amazing. and hold my tape recorder as I could. I, I wonder if I could bother you for a few a few questions. I'll use my move natural interviewer. Okay. Which thank you very much, Quinn, for letting me play a radio reporter and then just giving me mechanical things to get my questions across. <laughs> <laughs> this move is when you engage someone in conversation with an angle for information, roll plus cheek, which is one of the four main stats. On a 10 plus hold two, on a seven to nine hold one, spend your hold to ask one of the following questions. And on a miss, you mark an integrity and mark the person down as a rival. Oh boy, Duncan. And integrity is your playbook specific essence. Integrity is my essence, correct. Which essences allow you to do a handful of things. They allow you to push yourself on basic moves. So you get to roll three dice and discard the lowest. Avoid all harm from a single attack, a la luck, mm-hmm. like Monster of the Week, mm-hmm. or when certain playbook moves tell you to, like if you miss on this move. Go ahead and give me a roll plus cheat. Okay, I'm better at this one. Yes. Okay, that's an eight plus two is 10. On a 10 plus hold two, yes! you can spend your hold to ask the following. A question from Assess Reality. What does this person want? What do they fear or worry about? What does this person not want me to know? Or is this person lying to me? Ooh. I get two from here. I'd like to know what this person wants. So you start engaging this woman in like some idle chit chat, uh, asking her questions about what she's doing here. And, you know, she warms up to you pretty quickly and she says, well, you know, I heard tell that there was a bus about and I've heard all sorts of tell about buses in somewhere, but I've actually never seen one and I wanted to see one. And if I get a picture, I can show it to my son, Frankie, and then he'll love me. Is your son, Frankie, really into buses? Seems like it. Okay. Well, I hope we all get a picture of a bus today. I like this question. What does this person not want me to know? This person doesn't want you to know that the ticket she is holding is not a bus ticket. Mm. The ticket she is holding is a jury duty summons. Oh, shit. Which, Duncan, you know, occasionally the city council, praise be, will summon people to perform important duties on behalf of the town. This is known as jury duty. The punishment, if you fail, is usually death by screaming fog. 
And it appears that the bureaucracy has conscripted this woman into doing something related to the bus. I don't really want to confront her with that at the moment. That seems counterproductive to my goal here, which is to figure out what's going on with the bus. And I'm out of holds from being a good interviewer. So I think this is probably where I thank her again in part ways, but definitely keep an eye on where she is about in the crowd. You go to say goodbye and you feel a heavy hand fall on your shoulder. Oh, God damn it. Duncan, what are you what are you doing here, man? What's going on? Hey, how's it going? Jeremy, buddy, neighbor. We are going to jump to Max. Yes, I am here. Max, you are strolling these streets of somewhere, looking for a place you don't quite know where to find. Until at last, you come to a narrow alleyway between two buildings, at the end of which is a dumpster and a short chain-link fence. The wall by the entrance bears the words, Abandon hope, all ye who enter, in bright, ballooning graffiti. And in smaller text below, it says, unless you're cool. (laughs) And then in even smaller text, it says, Aiden, bring pizza. (laughs) As you enter the alley, you see the bricks along the wall begin to shift inward and outward. And the path begins to sway back and forth in a slightly serpentine motion. When you reach the dumpster at the end, the metal begins to silently pull apart, as does the chain link fence and everything behind it. And instead of looking at the next street over, you're standing at the intersection of half a dozen alleyways, stairwells, and tunnels, each twisting and turning until you can see no further. And once again, you have found yourself in the back alley, the extra-dimensional non-Euclidean space where all the little crooks and crannies of somewhere meet. How do you feel traversing the back alley? Traversing the back alley feels as close to, like, actual time travel as I feel like I'm going to get until I get un-unstuck. The word you might be looking for is stuck, but that's not... (laughs) That's not right, though. No, because I was not stuck in time. I was free in time, but now I am unstuck from... We're, like, re-unstuck? Re-unstuck. Unstuck from here to get stuck to time again. Anyway, uh, it feels both the exhilaration of being able to time travel with also the disappointment of knowing that this isn't even diet time travel. This is like time travel with scare quotes around it. But um, it does feel a bit like this is familiar ground. It's space travel, which is, you know, half of the equation. Yes. The back alley is... uh is a little tricky to navigate even under the best of circumstances, no matter how many times you've been through it. Go ahead and give me a roll to assess reality. Okay. I'm going to roll some dice. Yeah. How many do I roll? Two? Well, normally you roll two. Uh If you would like to push yourself, you can mark one Mm -hmm. essence and roll three and discard the lowest. Uh, I do not think I want to push myself. (laughs) Not yet. Fair. Is it going to be a five? episode one- Roll let's, one. Let's, yeah. So I'm just, okay. Okay. I'm rolling two dice and they are, well, I have a plus one in assess reality. So that is a 10. 
Okay. Aww. On a 10 plus hold two, you can spend a hold to ask one of the following questions. If you act on the answers, take plus one on going as long as the information is relevant. Those questions are, what happened here? What's my best route? Are there any dangers I haven't noticed? What here is useful or valuable to me? What here is not what it appears to be? Or who or what is really in control here? Okay. And I get... Two. Two of those. Okay. Uh, I would like to know what here is not what it appears to be and who is really in control here. What here is not what it appears to be. I think, Max, you know that, you know, the back alley doesn't, it's not a organized network. It's not a series of pathways that lead to and from specific places. It's more like a labyrinth that constantly changes and evolves, but there are elements that stay in place even as they move in place. Mm -hmm. And I think that you, from your previous travels, recognize uh, several of these alleyways, several of these stairwells, several of these tunnels and cellars that kind of dead end or lead to uh, maybe not the most desirable locations, or at least the places that you're looking for in the back alley. So what here is not what it appears to be. Many of these routes are not what they appear to be. Okay. Uh, and then my second one was, uh, who is really in control here? Yeah. Max, I think you know you know what you don't know in a sense. No one really knows even what the back alley is necessarily. As far as you know, no one controls it. People seek shelter, seek refuge. The underbelly of town flocks to the back alley, but no one is in control of the whole thing. And as best as you can tell, no one is in control of this particular intersection that you find yourself. I think knowing that, I'm going to slowly start walking around and I'm looking to... One particular shop, although the person that I'm looking for doesn't always have like a physical location, but I, I know I'm looking for somebody. So that is the information that I'm acting on to try and find where I'm going. You're looking for Jackie's shop, right? Yes. I'm looking yeah. for Jackie's shop. Jackie, your friendly contact. Yes. I think, you know, with a with a full success here, I think you're able to f navigate your way around. You follow a few twisting passages. I think at one point you're walking on the ground and it sort of slowly begins to rotate until you're walking on one of the walls and then takes a sharp right, which <laughs> to you feels like tipping over a cliff edge. But as you take the step, gravity just sort of realigns itself. Along the way, you see some half-closed doors, and I think as you pass by, they slam shut, and through the mail slots, you can see beady eyes looking out at you. In the dark corners, there are furtive shapes that shift and move and skitter, but eventually you reach, I hesitate to call it like a, a, a plaza or even an open space, but there's something of a small market almost, in the sense that there are people in the open and a handful of stalls. Tell me, tell me a little bit about Jackie's storefront, as it, as it were. Well, Jackie is an antique dealer, which in anywhere but somewhere would mean a storefront that's full of like some of that radioactive Fiesta wear, probably some Depression era glass, some very, very creepy dolls, uh, some like costume jewelry. And here's the thing: Jackie has all of that, but it is Fiesta wear that is literally glow-in-the-dark radioactive. There's depression-era glass, but it's because it creates a depression in the space-time continuum. 
The dolls are, they're haunted. They're haunted dolls. They're straight up haunted dolls. Their <laughs> eyes follow you around the room. They move when you're not looking. They're haunted dolls. The costume jewelry is just regular costume jewelry. She likes shiny things. She's a bit like a raccoon. Jackie also has the ability to acquire things from time to time. Maybe not necessarily the thing that you're looking for, uh, but she comes across interesting things. It is also wherever she is inhabiting her storefront or when it's going into a place where the aisles are very narrow and you need to be very careful traversing them because there are a lot of things kind of poking out and a lot of signs that say you break it, you buy it. So you're taking your life in your own hands for many different reasons. (laughs) So, yeah, I think Jackie's stall then is, it's not in the main circle. There's maybe like five or six stalls in this flea market. Hers is kind of tucked into this alleyway that just narrows and narrows and narrows until it basically disappears. And right where it disappears is just this small stand. And standing there at the stall is a middle-aged woman with blue eyes and streaks of gray beginning to dot her short auburn hair. She has kind of a wiry frame and it moves with, with a little bit of like a, a quickness that I don't think you would expect just by looking at her. And her it's not just her stall, but her her hands are adorned with all these sorts of like trinkets and knickknacks. And she's got a, a menthol cigarette pressed between her ruby red lips. And as you approach, she looks at you and she she grins very broadly, this big sort of toothy smile. She says, Max, sweetheart, hey, it's, it's good to see you. Welcome, darling. Oh, come here, kiss, kiss. Mwah, mwah. So good to see you. I haven't seen you in so long, darling. Come on, come on. Let me show you all the things that I picked up recently. Okay, Jackie, <laughs> yeah, show me what you've, uh, I, I do have uh, something that I do want to show you, but what have you picked up? What do we think are some items that Jackie has here? Uh, oh. Jackie absolutely has something that got stolen from some kind of tomb. I think she probably also has an extensive collection of miniatures, but they're all like incredibly creepy miniatures. Like it's all like graveyards. Oh, Jackie's got like a like a briefcase and she opens it and inside Max are all of these miniatures. Uh, And as she opens this briefcase, they all uh, spring to life and start charging towards you in formation. And like Gulliver's travel style start climbing all (laughs) over you. And she gets a broom and she starts like whacking them. She's like, hey, no, no. I told you, you stay. When the customers are here, you got to stay in the briefcase. Those bad, bad minute. You got to No, no. I'm like picking one up and holding it by kind of the back of the coat. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Jackie missed one. Here, here you go, and I drop it back in the suitcase. <laughs> anyway, I call this one Gulliver's Army. What do you think? You know, uh, I think that's a real winner. Um, uh, Jackie, I know we've talked quite a bit about this, and I pull out... Max has a really, really elaborate pocket watch that she wears, and we're talking, like, with the full chain and everything. And I pull it open, and I go, you know, I don't know that much about watch parts, but I think... And I open up the back of it and like, there's nothing there. There's nothing in the pocket watch. There's no parts or anything. It's just the front of the clock. And so I hold it out and I go, I think there's supposed to be something in there to make it go. Do you have any a line on any watch parts maybe? Is this the first time that you've talked to Jackie about this watch? Because this is your, like, this is the device that keeps your time, right? Right, it is. And it, yeah, there may be a, a reason why there's no parts in the back. Yeah, but I, I take it out and I show it to her. 
Oh no. Oh, 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 oh. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Ugh. Ah. Who gave it a spear? Jackie. Jackie. And I'm holding out another miniature. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry, darling. I'm sorry. You little rascal. What'd I tell you? You get back and she like takes the spear and like uses it to kind of like pick at her teeth a little bit uh-huh. as she drops yeah. the miniature uh, back in the briefcase and, and locks it. It's so hard to find good help these days. What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what what do you know about watch parts? Well, I mean, we all know that watches are fake, darling. You know, they're <laughs> created by... They're created by the city council to try to make everybody, you know, conform to the same time, which we all know is kind of bullshit. But it's clearly missing some pieces, so it's it's not going to work right. I don't I don't know if you want it to work right, but it's not going to work right. I would like it to work right. Yeah. Well, you're gonna need like at least one, maybe two more pieces. Would you be able to find those, or do I need to go find? Sweetheart, I'd be happy to keep my eyes open, my ears peeled, if you know what I mean. But uh, I'm not gonna do it for free. All right, hold on, and I go. Um, hold on, hold this, and I shove over to Jackie, my Zweihander, (laughs) which is taller than her. Oh, shiny! No, 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 no! That's not for trade. I'm just having you hold that. She, like, swings it around a couple times and kind of cuts the wall a little bit, and it recoils, it draws back, and you can see a little bit of, like, mortar dribble down, like it's been cut. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Quinn, are you going to allow me to have any money? Yeah, so that's a good question. Right. In Absurdia, money isn't real. In a surreal town suspended from space and time, cut off from the rest of the world, money doesn't really mean a whole lot. Mm -hmm. It is assumed that, you know, for sort of commonplace things, you have whatever you need, whether that's sort of common currency or trade or something else, that you can sort of acquire basic things. If you need something specific, uh, it's going to be a call for aid move. Okay, I would not have, like, whatever somewhere considers to be money. I would have something like doubloons or (laughs) small chips of plastic, which I have tried to explain at the fucking brewery is money from the future and they won't take it. So all my currency is stuff that is absolutely, like, completely out of time. So I I think I'm rummaging around in there while Jackie is trying to destroy her shop with my Zweihander. And I pull out, like, a small bag and I open it up and I go rooting around through it. And I pull out two gold doubloons and I hold them out to Jackie. Oh, shiny. Sword. (laughs) Sword. Jackie, sword. Give me the sword Jackie's back. using the sword now to pick her teeth. Oh, don't do that. Do that. <laughs> yeah, Jackie, Jackie. All right. Okay, sweetheart. Here you go. Here's your sword back. And uh, I'll hold on to these. And uh, if I find something with your little watch, which, you know, the city council is going to use to spy on you and control your time movements. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but that's fine if that's what you want. Yes. If I find something, I'll let you know. Right. And if I don't, I'll give you these these shiny little coins back, okay? All right. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, Max, how much have you told Jackie about your situation? I mean, Jackie has been here long enough that somebody who, who shows up, she's going to know that I'm not from here and that I have not been here for very long. 
I think she knows the basic parameters that I am not just not from here, but like not time-wise from here, and that my goal is to get out of here. Probably she picked up a lot of that on the fact that I'm walking around with a Zweihander. Yeah, you know? Probably. So I think I think she knows the general goal, and the watch is absolutely, I think, at least in my mind, in Max's mind, is probably part of that. So she knows the basic parameters. She's grabbed a handful of miniatures, and she's, like, stuffing them into a bag that she has just sort of attached to her belt. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, come here, come here, come here, come here. Now listen, you didn't hear this from me. But I heard a rumor going around that there was a bus roaming the streets of somewhere. Huh. People say that uh, buses have some some quantum properties, the messing with all the the space-time and junk. And that's why the the city council, they like to keep such a close eye on them at the, the municipal autobahn. Now, you bring that bus to the old run-down gas station outside of town... And maybe I know some folks who can, uh, they can take a look at it. And maybe they can learn a thing or two. I don't know, maybe they'll find some clock parts in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, you catch my drift? I do. Uh, d- just anybody at the gas station? Will they, do I, do I need a, do I need a secret uh, password? Se- no, no, don't, don't go into the gas, no, no. No, don't go into the gas station. Don't, oh. You don't. You don't. You don't come out of the gas station if you go into the gas. Just Ooh. stand out there, and we'll we'll be waiting for you. Okay. Oh, okay. A bus. I'm gonna hold on to these doubloons for now, okay? Yeah, yeah. All right, Jackie. Uh, thank you. Um, and look around. It does look like you have captured all of your. Oh no. Oh no. Wait. One what a- now? What? She's looking around. There's one that's got trying to get into a fight with the haunted doll. Hey, you put him up. The haunted oh, doll no. is like trying to smash Not Jackie it with Jr. No. <laughs> There's a small crowd gathering that are sort of like watching this, and and Jackie's at first she's trying to like stop it, and then she's like, "All right, who's got who's got the doll? Who's who's got the miniature?" People start throwing down money. <laughs> like, not money, but like random items here and there. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say, there's a lot of pogs involved. Yeah, <laughs> I think pogs are sort of the unofficial currency of the back alley market. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Bye, Jackie. Don't be a stranger now, okay? Never will be. Good friend. Let's go ahead and jump to Claire Claremont. Hello. Yes. Ooh. <laughs> welcome to Evening Monster. Character voice. Claremont. Oh, welcome. Claire, where what are you up to this this fine evening? I don't know if it's evening. What are you up to today? It's always evening. That's why you should always dress in an evening dress. Of course. <laughs> I won't do this. I won't keep doing this. This is going to be too say, much. No, uh, you have yes. to now. <laughs> no. This is your marketing voice <laughs> when you're selling. Oh God. When you're selling your debutante. What am I doing? Good lord. Uh, f- I think. I think you told me you were going to go to city hall. Yes, that's there was a right. Public hearing. That's right. You yeah. have to go file a water complaint or something. Oh yes, yes. yes. Well, it's an opportunity for the city to level up. <laughs> By having all of the water have a light cucumber sent to it. That's what I'm doing. 
Okay. You've, you've made your way to somewhere City Hall. Uh, City Hall is kind of an eyesore, if we're, if we're going to be honest about it. The left half of the building is sleek and glass new construction, and the right half is sort of like a dumpy old business park. It's almost like they ran out of money halfway through a remodel, though anyone who works there insists that it is supposed to look like that. Uh, inside <laughs> sure. of the building is a large staid foyer lined with pictures of the city council over the years, all of which show the same incomprehensible image that you can't look at too long without getting a headache. The semicircular room has several large open archways with signs overhead indicating their bureaucratic department, permitting, inspections, parking enforcement, jury duty, lawn maintenance, the economy public menacing, etc. Crisscrossing the lobby in and out of these archways are long lines of people from all walks of life, all absolutely motionless. You can see that some of them have started to gather dust, and in a couple of places, there are actually just skeletons standing in line. None of these lines appear to be moving. Except for the one that heads into the largest aperture, the marble-lined archway at the very center, labeled Council Chambers. Unlike the rest of City Hall, this room is filled with an energetic crowd of definitely alive people. There's a large crowd in the, the seats, there's more standing in the back holding signs that say a wide variety of things on a wide variety of topics, and a very reasonably sized line uh, behind a podium with a microphone. And at the fore of the room is a very, very large, oversized version of that same painting you saw in the lobby of the city council. What do you do? Well, first, I think I go up to the painting and I run my finger just to see if it has dust on it. Uh, it does not. Go ahead and give me a roll to embrace chaos <laughs> as you uh, put <laughs> your hand the on the painting. painting. Oh, no. oh, God. <laughs> oh, fuck. This town sucks. <laughs> embrace chaos. One of the seven basic moves in Absurdia. When yes. you contend with a source of entropic power, roll plus chaos. On a 10 plus, choose two from the list below. On a seven to nine, you choose one and I choose one as the GM. And just to be sure, I'm rolling two six-sided dice. Unless you would like to push yourself by expending one essence. Oh yeah. Nah, did we send you with nah, nah, did we send you with dice, Tio? No, I have a virtual dice thing up right now. Okay. So that's three plus <gasps> virtual dice. Oh my god, that's a five total. Jesus. <laughs> On a miss, literally anything could happen, like but it almost certainly won't be good. <laughs> five like me. Yeah, five like uh, you. Well, we match. Yay. Yeah. Claire, uh -oh. as you rest your hand on the painting of the city council, you start to see spots fill your eyes and they swim like over your vision until very quickly they overtake your entire sight. And all you can see is a bright white light. And your ears are filled with the din of pencil sharpeners. Ugh. And you catch a vague whiff of printer toner. And the next thing you realize you have been launched bodily across the room. Uh, you've hit the back wall, which has indented pretty sizably. And you're going to take uh, one harm from that. Fair the enough. crowd takes <laughs> Fair enough. Touch, no touch notice of this. There's a few people sort of whispering and, and kind of like mocking you. But uh, otherwise, the public hearing is going on without a... Uh, it, it hasn't skipped a beat. <laughs> of course. Of course. I think I very quickly get up with no shame whatsoever. Stroll right past 
everyone to the podium. And if there are, like, checkpoints along the way, I completely ignore them. If anyone's trying to, like, stop me, I'm just- it's as if they don't exist to me. You had to move past any- I think there was sort of like a a divider uh, between the dais, which is unoccupied, but is standing sort of right in front of the massive painting of the city council. So you you sort of already passed that threshold, uh, and no one attempted to stop you last time, and they don't attempt to stop you this time. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Then I breeze up to the podium. I'd like to do a vibe check before I start (laughs) speaking. Sure. I'm trying to think what that would be. What are you trying to glean here? I just want to kind of get a sense. So I'm about to give my big speech, but I think just Mm -hmm. naturally before I give my big speech, I want to kind of sense like who will be listening to my speech, but also do I notice anything strange, (laughs) a stranger? Yeah, this sounds like an assess reality role. Yeah. So when you carefully study a situation looking for more information, roll plus wits. Okay. Come on, virtual dice, be better. Yeah, so that is a solid six. <laughs> Better than five, Yikes. I know, though. I rolled a nat one for one Oof. of those. This dice is not great. On a miss, you might reveal critical information, or the GM might let you ask two questions, but give you some information that is inaccurate. <laughs> Claire, I think in this instance, you reveal some crucial information. As you step up to the dais, you feel a crushing weight fall upon you. And an itchiness across your body, like something is burrowing beneath your skin. Tell me what you're thinking and how you're feeling right now. What you're trying to get out of this situation. I think I'm feeling like I'm not the center of attention. And that makes Claire very antsy. And I think I'm also feeling like a self-righteous rage. Like So sometimes the past vassal energy simmers and boils inside Claire and she kind of has a an urge to put townsfolk in the well again. <laughs> and she feeds that urge by being passive aggressive with her lifestyle brand. So she is attempting to feed that urge right now. And so she has come up with this whole speech about how to be higher quality, to be the somewhere that we could be, to be not just somewhere, but something, we need to have cucumber-flavored drinking water. And she just doesn't understand why city council isn't making this their number one priority, and so she's here to raise hell about it, because the alternative is to feed her demons by putting townspeople in the well. You feel all of this almost extracted from you and assessed and analyzed. And you are unfortunately profoundly familiar with this sensation, I believe, because off to the side of the room, you see a woman in her early 30s. uh, She's wearing a very plain sort of black suit, white shirt. She is deeply ordinary in her appearance, so bland as to be almost unnoticeable, and I think actually you didn't notice her until you felt her excruciatingly piercing blue eyes fall upon you. And you immediately recognize Wilhelmina, or as she is more commonly known today, Mina Redmond, your rival, and somewhere city auditor. Mm. Mm-hmm. And as you sort of recover from being audited, she steps up to the microphone and addresses the crowd and says, all right, thank you, everyone. Um, your comments have been noted for the public record. It will be taken into account and consumed by the city council. Uh, this hearing is adjourned. Thank you very much. 
Have a lovely day in the city of somewhere. (laughs) Uh, And she turns and looks back at you, Claire, and once again, you feel deeply exposed. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with Mina. (sighs) What to say about Mina? So Mina was also a member of our original, not founding town of somewhere, because that's unknown in many ways, but... Was in my it was in my original cohort of townsfolk pre Vassalage. What would you say? Nineteen hundreds, late eighteen hundreds to early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, okay. You know, she also was taken, and you know, some people just like they just never get over stuff. You know, she just like she made it all about how like she never had planned to live that kind of life, and oh woe is me, like what a terrible thing. And you know, when we both came out of our extended stays with our various horrors, she decided she wasn't going to take advantage of any of those gifts and instead go into <laughs> accounting. Which, I mean, talk about living a doldrum life. It's just, just (laughs) god awful. It's like, why? Why would you choose this? Um, No offense to any accountants out there, but this is is how Claire Claremont feels. But it also seems fitting because back in the late 1800s, Claire was trying new things. She was trying to have a brand before we really had the idea of people as brands. She was a visionary. And Mina just kept bringing up things like, oh, you can't keep shaving all the local dogs. Oh, you can't keep making these absurd hats. Like, oh, we're going to war. Half of the town is dying of cholera. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) You know, just such a, just never took any opportunities to really enjoy life. And to this day, seems to have a very similar outlook. Claire sees Mina as the embodiment of everything that's wrong with humanity. (laughs) It's all greater good this, and you can't do that. Yeah, safe to say, rivals. Claire, the crowd begins to dissipate as the very large painting of the city council begins to thrum and emit sort of a a buzzing noise, uh, which I think everyone knows means it's time to uh, make themselves scarce. But Mina, you know, she, she makes her way sort of towards you, eyes burrowing deep into you. I think you know, you know, she went by Wilhelmina back in the late 1800s, but she has also uh, undertaken a bit of a rebranding since she reappeared along with you after your encounter with the entropic horror, Rudy. And she comes up to you and says, Claire, I see you are um, just as uh, in need of attention as, uh, as you were 200 years ago. Some of us always shine bright. I'm sure you can't possibly understand what I mean. Oh, I know the true shining. Oh, is this going to be another conversation about Excel sheets? I don't know who that is, and I don't care. Praise be. Praise be to Excel. (laughs) Still don't understand why this man hasn't made you an honorable woman yet. You talk about him all the time. The truth, the power, and the glory. Mm. Mina, have I given you a coupon to the website yet? I feel like if anyone could use it, it would be you. And I'm sure there's a way that I can make that a charitable write-off. Oh, I'm doing uh, quite fine, thank you. I'm I'm in no need of any sort of... Um, wh- wh- Personality change? It? Sorry, you were saying? <laughs> I thought I was going to fill in the blank. <laughs> I, I'm wrong here. Go on. Have you nothing better to fill your time than... Um... What was it? And she sort of looks like she's trying to recall something and then says, 
uh, flavoring the town water supply cucumber? Not flavoring. Putting the essence of cucumber via real cucumbers what, in the what, system. But what is that if not flavoring, though? Well, flavoring implies that you're using some sort of derivative. And really, I mean, We're of getting... course, your brain would go there. <laughs> no, I mean natural, organic, pure. Everything that this town needs. Everyone knows that the town water supply contains a proprietary blend of fluoride and nostalgia for a better time. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Yes, well, what is nostalgia but a good way for people to live in their memories and not build their present? Of course that would be what you want. What is nostalgia but the past persisting? Oh, dear, please do stop being such a bore with all the books and the quotes. My goodness. Have you have you read my proposal? Is there a place where I can submit it for comment, since you so rudely You have, have submitted it at least... Well, hold on. Yes. Uh, 142 times. <laughs> well, at least the history books will show that there was at least one visionary in this town. <laughs> well, as much fun as this conversation is... For you, I imagine it's the highlight of your year. Go on. I'm in need of your ample amounts of free time. <laughs> and... <laughs> I literally fall backwards scoffing. <laughs> Overabundance of persistence... If you are willing to make them available for a task of some importance for the city council. <gasps> and her eyes light up and she looks very excited. She's like, you're finally going to let me sell your home and find you a suitable living arrangement. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Then what could this possibly be? <laughs> the city council cares not for my personal lodging. Oh, that shows how little they care about you, but go on. <sighs> you have no doubt heard that there are rumors of a... Loose bus. I have heard, yes. Have you? Have you? She just kind of looks you? off. She's like, she's like, if you have something to say, why don't you go ahead and spit it out? Some of us are too busy trying to better the town. She like looks at you and her eyes narrow and you feel that profound sense of being observed. And then she looks away and says, oh, you have. All right. Very well. <laughs> You would be doing the city council a great service if you captured that bus and brought it to me. It's not proper for it to be roaming about the streets. Could be dangerous. Well, I can't believe it's taken... And she looks at her wrist as if she has a watch on it, but she doesn't. 200 plus years. But I think we, we can, finally come to an agreement about we something. Can, we can both see you don't have... You're not wearing you're not wearing a watch. We can both see it. Why do you why are you like this? <laughs> I ask myself that question of you all the time. Now you know my what? Dear. Never, never never mind. I do, I I'll find someone else. I can No, do, I've already said it's... yes. You already have the best. Why would you bother? Damn it. I regret this immediately. <laughs> well, you're going to regret it slightly more when you hear my terms. You will allow me to do a live stream with you where I try on four different types of living rouge on you, and you will pick one of them to purchase. I'm glad you agreed to my terms, and then she turns and starts walking away. <laughs> Go ahead and make me a sway roll. Yeah. Okay. Sway, when you offer an NPC a convincing reason to do something, roll plus cheek. On a 10 plus, they'll do it for the reason you gave them. On a 7 and 9, they'll do it, but I will choose something from the list below. Oh, finally. 
Sorry, go so ahead. her you're you're in a bit of a negotiation here. Her terms are you will be in the city council and the bureaucracy's good graces if you capture this bus <laughs> and bring it to them. You want a little bit extra. So go ahead and give me a roll to sway. Well, I did that roll and it was a 10. On a 10 plus, they will do it for the reason you gave them. <laughs> Nina looks at you, screws up her face, puckers her lips and says, I don't know what a live rouge is. And at this point, I don't want to find out. That's for the best. It's for the best, darling. Mm -hmm. And then she turns and starts walking away. Council, damn it. (laughs) As you are walking out and and sort of filing out with the last remnants of the crowd, you exit out into the main street of somewhere and there is a hubbub up ahead of you. And you can see streaking down the main street of somewhere, bashing through branches of willow trees a hulking behemoth metal frame covering almost a city block, multiple points of articulation, bright blue and orange paint, a somewhere transit authority municipal bus. (laughs) 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 Big bus. (laughs) 